This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Cast. And there's a very positive feel among the Royal Blue Podcast today, and that's because, of course, we're talking about an Everton victory. Uh, it was Everton's first victory away to Arsenal in 25 years, is it? 25? 25 home. Over 25 years, I think it is, since Everton uh, last managed to get a victory over Arsenal. And they did it in fairly fortuitous circumstances, you have to say, on Friday with a burnt uh, own goal, which which I found pretty pretty hysterical, to be honest. But, you know, you take you take wins however they come. So uh, we, will, we will be discussing that. I am your host, Adam Jones, today joined by Dave Prentice, Sam Carroll and Gav Buckland, who has been described by somebody as a red this week. For, uh, for your antics, what a whistle! Yeah, <laughs> hey, not not for the first time on the on internet, by the way. So um, obviously got form. The, the one time that you get a prediction right, though, a, a positive prediction of that, a one 0 win away to Arsenal, and uh, you get yeah. called a red for it. <laughs> yeah, well, as my daughter said, that, that probably that's probably a sign that I'm being fair and you know balanced on on. On the pod, so I sort of get that. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's no uh, bias that's, from me. Yeah, well, that's it. That's that's the way we'll go with it. But yeah, Dave, let's uh, let's dive in to talk about Friday. And as I say, it was a it was a bit of a fortuitous win in the end. But I think Everton have deserved that, really, haven't they? You know, after the after the last couple of performances where they didn't get the results this time, they had the results with uh, without the performance, really. Yeah, what do we call it? Swings and roundabouts. I mean, there's been some decent performances this season, you know, where we deserved points like Crystal Palace, notably, uh, and didn't get them. And yes, I, I thought we just about edged it on uh, on Friday night. It wasn't a great performance. It wasn't. A, it was a difficult game to watch. Let's be fair. And uh, I absolutely loved the fact that the uh, the television commentator, with perfect timing, says, "Well, Everton have barely been in Arsenal's half since half time." And then what happens? Richarlison goes bombing down the right. And, you know, suddenly, like you quite accurately described it, the most fortuitous own goal you've ever seen. Uh, I mean, that wasn't the only fortune we got on the night. I mean, that appalling penalty situation with Danny Sabalas. I mean, it, it was appalling. It was shocking. You know, so the way he went to ground there with the slightest of, you know, faintest of brushes across his shin. But that's modern football, unfortunately. And in modern parlance, that probably, you know, so is a penalty, even though it's, you know, far from earned. And yes, VAR, you know, so Raiders haven't managed to find a fractional offside somewhere in the build-up, which again, something that's like gone for us and gone against us this season. Uh, so you're just kind of hoping that this is going to generate a little bit of momentum now. Uh, such an important win, because you can see the way the players reacted on the final whistle. Absolutely loved it. Seamus Coleman, you know, so screaming, so much so that he caused a bit of a kickoff on the pitch. And even that's good, you know, so it shows you, you know, so how much they care about this how much Arsenal care about getting beat. I've got no concerns about that at all. But we've just got to pray it creates a little bit of momentum now because the fixtures we've got left are far from straightforward. I mean, not that there's such a thing as a straightforward fixture in the Premier League this season. Uh, but, you know, we've won a very important game. We've got ourselves knocking on the door again for European qualification. So can we actually build on that momentum now and, you know, create another you know, positive performance at home to Villa on Saturday night? We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, I'd settle for getting a little bit of uh, good fortune every uh, weekend between now and the end of the season and scraping in through the back door. Because, you know, we've, we've had a fair bit of bad luck during the course of the season. So 
it was great. And we won at Arsenal, you know, for the first time since 1996. I was there, but it was a long, long time ago. Gosh, so obviously couldn't be there on this occasion. But yeah, it was just great to see another of those like, you know, hoodoos laid to rest. That's, mm-hmm. um, you know, so Anfield and, you know, the Emirates in one season. So pretty good going. Mm. I think Brennan's right there, isn't he, Gav? You know, you'd hope that, you know, a win under these sort of circumstances would be able to be a little bit of a confidence boost for this side and hopefully they can take that into the final few games of the season. Absolutely. Um, I was thinking about, you know, Napoleon's uh, statement about preferring lucky generals, Brennan, um, with regards to Ancelotti. Yeah, yeah, it was only six games left. Compact, um, Compact part of the season. I mean, there's two games against Villa there still to be played. I mean, one of which I think we'll probably play in about 2020. There'll be a Super League by the time we play Villa. There won't be. There'll be, there'll be, there'll be, there'll be yeah. Uh, yeah uh, <laughs> mind you, mind you, it might be part of the Super League then, mightn't it, to be fair? Um, <laughs> the way it's going. Uh, yeah, so we are. Exactly. We've got West Ham away. You know, we've, we've lost their last couple. We've got a um, couple of winnable games at home. I mean, what was the tanking at the moment, aren't they? Um, so, yeah, I think we've got a couple of difficult fixtures within that, I'd say. But, oh, yeah, absolutely. Confidence. Yeah, do wonders for it, for for, for us. Um, and, you know, we're knocking on the door, but we're knocking on the door rather loudly, aren't we? Unexpectedly. And the good thing, I think that we're probably going to finish in the top eight now, aren't we, with that result? Mm-hmm. Which you probably would have taken at the start of the season. You would have taken at the start of the season. It would be nice if we don't finish eighth and we finish, you know, higher than that. Uh, yeah, but well, you are right. That it's a, it's a good confidence booster, and I noticed all that we from uh, the Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal, Liverpool, four Super League clubs. We've taken seventeen pointers at this season from mm-hmm. eight games. Yeah, not bad going at no, all, is it? This is not not bad. Um, yeah, but no, great great results, performance moderate. <laughs> That's the best description. Yeah. <laughs> Sam's a former goalkeeper yourself. You must have been former professional. Well, let's let's <laughs> debatable. Uh, but <laughs> you must have been quaking in your boots after seeing that uh, that Bernd Leno mistake. Yeah, that was the first one in a in a long life. Remember when you were a kid and you'd get like the own goals and gaffs DVDs. I haven't seen <laughs> one for ages. Where you know, I think even the commentator said, didn't he? Like, I think at first oh, it must have taken a deflection or something like that, but it was just totally. It was almost impressive, wasn't it? I was <laughs> just to kind of like throw it through his legs, but also change the direction of the ball so it still went in. So how he managed that, I don't know. And a, it's a terrible lapse in concentration, isn't it? Just absolutely not what you need. But I think it was exactly, I think you wrote it actually after the game, that it was just what we needed. And, you know, it kind of reminded me again of, you know, that Sheffield United game, the... Uh, the West Brom game, you know, the games where we were just kind of nicking them, you know, what was that a good game of football to watch on Friday? No, absolutely not. It was terrible, but you don't care when you, after the game, when you've got the three points, do you? So it's been a strange one really this season, hasn't it? Because when we lose, you're like, oh, the football's not that good and the players aren't that good. This is all terrible. But then when they win, you're like, it's brilliant, this one squad, you know, we've, we've got it all. We just needed that, didn't we? Because we hadn't won there then. Probably as Gav's saying, probably would have just been a slog for eighth, ninth, tenth, whatever it, it would have been. But now we're finally put ourselves in the position, and if we can remember how to win at home again, then you know we're, we're flying, aren't we? That we've got to re- still got somehow after losing to Burnley and 
Newcastle and Leeds and Fulham, you know, no disrespect to those teams, but they've all beaten us at home this season and we could still end up qualifying for the Champions League. It's such a strange season, isn't it? So, but great to see that we finally banished our away who, you know, since, since I've been a kid, we've never really been that good away from home and to win 10 games is a real achievement, you know, fans or no fans and hopefully we carry that into next season when fans are back as well. Mm. I suppose, Prano, like towards the end of the game, it kind of turned into a tale of two goalkeepers, didn't it? At one end, Bent Leno was chucking them into the back of the net. At the oh. other end, in, in stoppage time particularly, Jordan Pickford was pulling out some pulling out some great saves, wasn't he? Like that one from uh, Martinelli in particular is the one that stands out to me. I thought he was outstanding throughout and I was very, very disappointed in Philip Kirkbride, our Everton correspondent, giving him seven, giving him seven out of ten in the, uh, in, in the team ratings. I, I was one of the, uh, the Twitter arty that uh, took him to task over that. Um, no, I mean, he's, he's quietly been very, very good over the last few weeks, has Jordan Pickford. And uh, quite ironic, actually, reading Ian Wright this morning, uh, a man who always worried, you know, so many, many Everton goalkeepers. Um, talking about how Jordan Pickford still worries him, you know, in his guise as a, a major, you know, England supporter, uh, saying that, he, you know, he just doesn't fill him with confidence, how he always fears that there's like, a, you know, a gaffe about to happen, which is very harsh, I think, given that he's never once dropped a single gaffe playing for his country. Um, you know, obviously he did for Everton earlier this season, but it has gone very, very quiet on the uh, the Pickford baiting front, which is great, and that is testament to his performances. I know he's been injured for you know so some of that time, and he's um, he's had a little spell out. Maybe it's done him a little bit of good. I don't know, being able to take him out of the uh, the firing line for a little bit. But you know, immediately prior to the um, the injury and since he came back, I think he's been uh, he's been very, very good. And absolutely, those two saves that you're talking about was absolutely top class. The one from Martinelli. Was, was so good. And then there was one shortly after. I didn't really matter in the end, I think, because the, uh, the referee's whistle had gone. But, you know, it's a tip on over the bar. Reminded me, to a slightly lesser degree, of, of the one he, uh, he made for England against Colombia, which also didn't matter because Yeri Mina managed to equal, you know, score shortly afterwards. Uh, but it was absolutely stunning save. Um, so, yeah, he's very, very quietly, you know, sort of starting to produce the performances that, you know, we saw from him in his opening season at Goodison Park and that we hoped you know, we'd see from him more consistently. And if you also factored into it how good his distribution was during the game, again, he was pinging balls left, right and centre and, you know, sparking attacks with his distribution. So, yeah, let's not get carried away because we know we've been here before and we've seen, you know, some mistakes derail things. But for now, you know, so Jordan Pickford's looking pretty good and we've got... You know, every right to be very, very happy with him. Mm. I think that's what I think we've said it a couple of times as well, Colonel, haven't we? We've we've always kind of stuck up for, for Pickford for a large part of his time at Everton. But you know, there was that thing where you don't necessarily want your goalkeeper to be making headlines, do you? You just want him to no. just be kind of quietly going about his business. And as you're all saying, I think since he's came back into the team for those couple of games, that's what's impressed me about him. He's just done the work, you know what I mean? So Hopefully now we're getting back to seeing, you know, the Jordan Pickford of 2017-2018. You know, he was superb, wasn't he, when he first joined the club? And, you know, it's sad that, like, his inconsistency has kind of rolled on for so long. But yeah. new haircut, new look, new Pickford. Let's hope it can, uh, it can continue. Because yeah. if he puts in those kind of performances till the end of the season, then, you know, we have a real, real chance of making, you know, Europa League at worst. Mm-hmm. I think Gav, there's been, there's been a lot of critics aimed at Pickford even this season, hasn't there? For, for you know, yeah. uh, making mistakes, little lapses of concentration. Uh, I would have to say, but you know, I think those those saves at the end of the Arsenal game showed 
immense amounts of concentration, I would say, from Pickford. I don't think he necessarily had loads to do throughout the game, but he stood up when it mattered, didn't he? And uh, you know, that's yeah. it's it's a criticism that has been aimed at him in the past, but you couldn't uh, you couldn't fault him for that on Friday, could you? No, no, absolutely. I mean, that's that was the impressive thing, wasn't it? The criticism that he's had is that his concentration levels haven't been that great, you know, over ninety minutes, and it was good when on a night where he really wasn't tested. Apart from two or three efforts, it was good to see right at the end. You know, he pulled that save up, and when you watch it, watch it. I tell you what, it shows you how bad a game it was on Friday. I'd watch the two minute highlights before before, and just to remind myself of the Kingston's and Luca Dean's <laughs> cross. You know that got deflected in the first half, that went straight to Bert Leno. That was one of the highlights of the game. <laughs> two minute passage, you know. <laughs> so you, you you know the struggling then, you know, and when I watched it, the, that save near the end. It was the surprise factor, wasn't it? Because you weren't expecting the lads to get the shot off, you know, that quickly. And 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 as you said, because of his, you know, issues over concentration, it was good that. And the night when he wasn't busy, he produced the goods when he needed to, which is what you want your goalkeeper to do, and that's what all top goalkeepers do. Yeah, I I would have had him down right near man of the match material. I'm not sure about Richarlison getting man of the match on the telly, by the way. The other things I'd say about. The Arsenal keeper, I think Jay Leno could have saved that, couldn't he? Really, oh, not Ben Leno. Seems to be there. Uh, oh, I know. Really trying to show him that one. In. <laughs> I, I've been waiting three days to say that. By the way, you know. No, but seriously, I thought he was excellent. Um, Pickford, and by and large, since the derby, when he had a bit of stick, obviously, I mean, there's been one or two little howlers, but he's he's, he's looked far more comfortable than say what he did last season and the start of this mm. campaign. Mm. Prano, then, have we seen the effect of, you know, Robin Olsen's impact uh, as competition for him? Because obviously, you know, he has come in and he, you know, he's pushed Pickford for that number one spot. But are we, are we now seeing the benefits of Pickford's, you know, firmly staking his claim for that spot and, you know, stamping his authority on the squad? Well, who, who knows what goes on in, in Jordan Pickford's head? So, um I, I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping it's just um, a sign of the increasing maturity that we all hoped we would witness from him. You know, this is a goalkeeper who's clearly very, very talented, but just gets involved too much in games and, you know, performs better, you know, when he's when he's busy, when he's living on his nerves, when he's involved. And the great goalkeepers, you know, as, as Sam said earlier, you know, are, are understated and just, you know, perform when they are called upon and are undemonstrative. And hopefully, maybe that's something that he's learning. Whether that comes as a result of the pressure that's placed on him by Robin Olsen, whether it comes just as a you know question of his increasing maturity, I'm not so sure. Uh, I just know it's good to see, and uh, yeah, it's happening at just the crucial period of the season as well. Um, you know, as Gav said earlier, you know, only six games left now. Uh, Carlo said prior to that match, we needed to win five of our remaining seven games to guarantee European football. Well, that's one of them. You know, so chalked off. Um, so you know, fingers crossed. You know, all the other big players are going to start performing at just the right time of the season. It also helps as well that, you know, the cavalry have come charging over the hill in numbers in terms of everybody being available. I mean, uh, the only two players missing on a Friday night were Decore and Gabamin. Uh, you know, a big player, admittedly, in Decore, but, you know, the majority of the other influential players, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, the goalkeeper himself. Uh, Michael Kimi weren't sure about where because uh, I think it was a, a slight hamstring issue that was rested, but, you know, hopefully that's not a big problem with him. But it's just good to see that, you know, players are coming back in numbers at a time of the season when we really do need them and we really do need to kick in. Mm. 
mean, we were talking about uh, Pickford having a bit of a quiet game, Sam, and I think that was probably a, a lot down to the fact that the defence in front of him played played very well. I'm thinking about Godfrey and Holgate in particular. I thought they had a thought they had a very strong showing at the Emirates. Yeah, it was a big game for Holgate, wasn't it? I think that his form himself has been a little bit patchy this season after doing so well last season. Probably hasn't helped that, you know, we played a back four, a back five. He's played right back as well. He's played centre midfield as well. <laughs> um, he's really good, wasn't he? And really promising that him and, him and Godfrey just, you know, they're not the two biggest lads in the world by any means, but, you know, physically still very good. And they just dealt with everything. And we got another special... Ben Godfrey tackle, hasn't he? Which is uh, becoming his trademark a little bit now. So, you know, it's been good to see that Carlo can rotate between those four. And I don't know, it was it was unfortunate, wasn't it, in, in the Tottenham game? You know what happened with Michael Keane and Mason Holgate? Wasn't really too much Holgate could do. To be fair, it was more down to Keane. But I think that kind of was difficult, really, because Keane's had such a good season. But I think in large, the, the defenders had a good season. They've, they've needed to have a good season to to get us to where uh, we needed to go. So it's interesting really now, isn't it? I don't think Carlo has got a strongest 11, you know, a go-to 11, and, and he'll probably change it again for the game at the weekend, won't he? The, the, the defensive two, you know, I could even see a scenario where it, it's back to Keane and Mina, which has been the most used partnership this season, but definitely got options. And I think it comes back to then, you know, there was obviously the, the Koulibaly rumours and things like this. So, but for me, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the options that we that we have at centre back at the moment, and I think it's probably worth us more focusing on on other areas in the summer when when it comes to recruitment. Mm. Well, it's an interesting battle at centre back, isn't it, Gav? I mean, obviously, Yeni Mina was back fit for this game, but uh, he, yeah. he was only on the bench, as Preno says. Michael Keane missed out because of a slight hamstring issue. Fingers crossed, he's going to be back fit again next time Everton play, but. You know, there's four centre backs there that could easily start a game for Everton if, if like in in any circumstances. So, you know, it's it's a really interesting battle. And I think Sam's right. I don't think Carlo Ancelotti really has a preferred centre back pairing, does he? Uh interesting. For the rest of this season, I think it might be something we need to address in the summer, um, in terms of how much better some of those players can get. But certainly this season, yeah. Do you think Ben Godfrey is our first choice centre half that he's the one who wouldn't drop? I, w- I would argue that yeah, like and yeah. Godfrey's sort of put himself into a position where wherever he plays across the defence, whether that be you know yeah. right back, centre back, even left back, if he wanted, I think you've got to find a place for him in the team at the minute, haven't you? Yeah, I, 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 is long if his long term future for centre half for Everton, got to play centre half for Everton, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would think so. I think he, you know it's good to see you, you've got to have one instance of a, a Ben Godfrey reducer, haven't you? Yeah. In the course game, and that, that, that tackle that tackle he put in in the second half, I think that qualified as a pass. Did you see how far the ball went? <laughs> ball went to the halfway line, didn't it? You know, um, and uh, yeah, I, I think centre half for me, yeah, I think all four could play and all four have played, but I'd be starting with Godfrey to be honest mm. with the centre half, um, as, as the future. I think he's somebody who can develop a lot more in that role, and then it's him anyone. I mean, I like Mina. As as, as I, I mean, isn't the discussion with Keane to say that since he's been dropped from the England squad, he hasn't looked the same? Yeah, um, it's been a little bit. You know, enough, yeah, Holgate. I think always. You know, he's not played. He's not as experienced as as Keane and 
mean, is he always looks somebody who needs more game time there for me, centre half. Um, I'd say God. If you're asking me, I'd say Godfrey and a choice of me and the Rocky at centre half as we sit at the moment for the rest of the season. I'd probably stick me in ahead of Keane based on Keane's form not being the best. The only thing with me that is his, his injuries, isn't it? You know, he's he's liable for a, a pull on a strain, isn't he? Um, mm. But yeah, go, go for the Mina for me, but only mm. Mina and Keane are marginal. Mm. What would you What would you say, Prana? It's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, I have to say, when the um, team sheet dropped, I mean, we always. Uh, are taken by surprise by what um, what what Carlo conjures up for us. And when I saw that central defensive pairing, I wasn't entirely reassured. I have to say, um, it just it looked a little lightweight, even though obviously there's a bit of mobility there. I, wa- I wasn't sure, uh, but they both performed very very well. Uh, Long term, it's, it's a tough one to answer because for me, Keane and Mina, you know, would have been you know the nailed on uh, partnership, you know, a month or so ago regardless of how well Ben Godfrey has performed. And, you know, he deserves his place, Ben Godfrey, but, you know, so where that would be, who knows, you know, so maybe right back. But, you know, he's performed equally well at centre-back now. Going forward, Godfrey Mina maybe, but where does that leave Mason Holgate? It's just great to have options. And, you know, that's even without talking about, uh, you know, so Jared Branthwaite, who, you know, sort of came in and, you know, sort of performed so well. I think what I can say, though, is that we actually do need to believe uh, Carlo Ancelotti when he says that we are well-blessed in that department and therefore we'll not be looking at £40 million centre-backs like, you know, Kaladu Koulibaly in the summer, whose name seems to be, like, you know, sort of conjured up on a daily basis. I mean, that was put to Carlo and he was quite unequivocal in, uh, in his response when he said that that part of the team is something I'm happy with. And I understand why he's happy with it. Maybe it'll just be a case of not having a settled, you know, partnership going forward and horses for courses, you know, like Friday night. You preferred two slightly mobile, you know, sort of centre backs. Let's go with that. If you know you're playing Burnley for argument's sake, you know you might need Yerry Mina's height in there, so you bring him in. Maybe you know he's got the uh, personnel now that he can chop and change and do that. Um, whether the players themselves will be happy with that, you know, you have to uh, wait and see. But you know, that's the manager's prerogative. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I mean, talking about chopping and changing at centre back, Sam, a bit further up the pitch, it was chopping and changing in terms of systems, isn't it? I mean, a new system again, it looked like a 4-4-1-1 almost with Richarlison on the right-hand side, Sigurdsson on the left and Hammers in behind Calvert-Lewin for this game. How did you think it, it worked out? You just never know what's coming from Kyle Holden, do you? <laughs> and, you know, and it's even, I think we've best seen it in action at Liverpool where, you know, he's kind of stripping away that thing of, you know, oh, we're playing 4-4-2 today, we're playing this today because... Often he even changes, you know, when in possession, when out of possession, uh, and things like that. But no, I think it worked, didn't it? And we're starting definitely, I think, of last couple of games. You know, I think we just need to find a way of just getting a little bit more out of Hammers, getting him on the ball as much as we can, because you know he will make stuff happen for you. I think it's been a few games lately where he's been a little bit quiet, or you know, things just haven't quite been. Uh, coming off for him, so I don't know. I think I think that without Decore and Gabamon, you know, we we do lack legs in, in that midfield, don't we? So it, it'll be interesting to okay. see. Don't worry, we've got Fabian Delph back now. We've got Delph back with his uh, with his running socks, and I think I think it could be another case, though. To be honest, it wouldn't surprise me to see Delph start. I thought it was an interest in the next game. I thought it was an interesting call from Carlo to have 
Tom Davies, who he obviously has trusted a lot this season. You know, he had him sitting on the bench, but turned to Del first, didn't he, with 25 minutes to go and, and threw him on. But, you know, I think now we've been well, we've said it pretty much all season that Andre Gomez is still struggling a little bit, still trying to find his form after that, you know, terrible injury he suffered. So, who will be in that in that midfield in the next game? Will it be Delph? Will Davies be uh, back in? But it could be a little kind of surprise chance for Delph between now and, you know, I think Decore said, hasn't he? He's confident to playing again this season, but might only be for a couple of matches. So could be a little chance for, for Delph to start changing opinion of him a little bit. You know, if he played, you know, screening the back four alongside Alan, maybe. And, you know, it does give Hammers and, and Gilfie the chance to, yeah, push on and, and move further forward and, you know, get them at the end of the pitch where, where we want them, which is obviously, you know, in and around the opposition penalty area. Mm. Would you be surprised to see a change in midfield again next time out, Gav? I mean, Sam's mentioned the possibility of a Davis or a Delph coming in. I think Alan played quite well against Arsenal, but as he said, Andre yeah, Gomez yeah. is still, still a bit of a question mark over his position in the side, isn't there? Yeah, Gomez, definitely. I mean... My my views have gone as I've said since he joined. Not totally convinced, but um yeah, he struggled on Friday. Yeah, Delph had a Davis in the packing order on the subs bench was um an interesting move, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I think it depends what system you want to play, doesn't it, really? I mean I think that's a, I think that's a problem, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. If you know, it depends what system. I think I'd put it this way, I'd rather play Tom than Delph, mm-hmm. to be fair, because I don't think Delph's fit, is he, obviously. Um, and I, I wouldn't want him starting a game. So I, there's, a, there's an argument, you'd, if you were to change, you'd, you'd change it for Tom instead of Gomez, to be fair. You know, I mean, Alan is another one I don't think fit. I mean, I think Calvert-Loon's not fit at the moment, by the way. Nowhere near. Um, so I think, I think I'd... The, the swap for me would be Davis instead of Gomez, uh, to be honest with you. That's what I do. I mean, Delph is handy to have on the bench at this moment in time. Uh, but I wouldn't start him instead of uh, Gomez and start Davis instead of Gomez. Mm. I mean, I, I feel like we're going to go through the whole squad at this point, Preno, but uh, Richard, Richardson, <laughs> out, on the, uh, out on the right-hand side. I thought he was... You know, up until the goal, he was a little bit quiet, pushed out on that right-hand side. I didn't, you know, considering Arsenal had Granit Xhaka playing at left-back, I don't think he really got at Xhaka a lot. The one time he did get at Xhaka, he got round him and set up the goal, didn't he? So you can't really you can't really fault his performance at the end of the day if he's, if he's produced the quality like that. No, I mean, he's he's had a quiet little spell, really, hasn't he? Um, he had that little flurry of goals, was it like six weeks or so ago, and it seems to have like just dropped back into his shell a little bit again now. But the, the one positive about that is you can never accuse Richarlison of hiding. Uh, he's always there or thereabouts and will always keep putting himself in the firing line, even though he's not performing particularly well. And I think that was the case on Friday night. We hadn't seen much of him. You know, so what we had seen, it was hard working more than anything. It was like tracking back and it was, you know, doing the dirty work, you know, that you know, you always expect him to do. That that was the most notable you know, part of his performance. Until you finally realise, like you say, that you know Arsenal had a standing left back whose uh, defensive qualities in that position, you know, maybe could leave him a little bit vulnerable. And he ran at him, and, you know, and so and you know, so turned him inside out. And 
beautifully clever, you know, sort of near post cross that confused <laughs> Bernd Leno, you know, sort of entirely. And he ended up, you know, credited with the goal at one stage, wasn't he? Which was a bit baffling, but then he, uh, yeah. he, certainly, he certainly deserves the assist. Uh, but now the good thing about Richarlison is that you know he's going to keep putting himself in there and in there and in there all the time. And even if he's not playing particularly well, you know, he will try and keep making things happen. And he will ultimately make things happen because he's a good player. And, you know, it's the old saying, isn't it, about, you know, form is temporary, class is permanent. And, you know, he is a classy performer. Uh, Calvert-Lewin totally take on board that, yeah, he's not quite fully fit at the moment. But again, you know, good, solid, you know, leading the line performance. And just introduce little elements that we've been missing in recent weeks. You know, that, that power in the air, that ability to hold the ball up a little bit. So, again, going back to my point about Pickford, you know, it's good that so many of these, like, big players are starting to come back and, you know, will hopefully come back to form. Uh, just at the time of the season that we need the most. The Delph one's an interesting one. Uh, I, I don't quite get the level of uh, ire, you know, sort of directed towards him on social media. I know he had a row with an Everton fan on social media, which was like, a bit silly and a bit of an ill-advised thing to do. But, you know, he's, he has been a very good footballer, you know, considered good enough for a Manchester City team, you know, sort of picked him whenever he was facing a title-winning season. Um, he's had injury problems, you know, from ever since he's arrived, and we've not seen the best of him. But again, there's a there's a good footballer in there somewhere, and uh, it would be silly to dismiss him out of hand just because he's had a row with a fan on social media. And uh, you know, Carlo clearly you know rates him to actually elevate him ahead of Tom Davis. So again, maybe Fabian Delph could be one of these players that we actually see come good at a time of the season when we need him most. It's all positives, isn't it? It's, it's all players who are starting to you know sort of inch back towards a little bit of form, a little bit of fitness, just when we need them most. Mm. And just when we need them most, Sam, is is completely right. I, I think, as you said earlier, six games left of this season. Now, if Everton didn't get all three points against Arsenal, then you're thinking to yourself, it's going to be a tough ask yeah. uh, to get into European football. But with the way with the way a couple of results went this weekend and with Everton starting the weekend off in the perfect fashion for once, you know, it, it's kind of put them right back in, into the mix, hasn't it? Yeah, it's a tight amount, isn't it? I think that's what... Carlos wanted all along to just stay in the fight and, and have a chance, do you know what I mean? And we're going, you know, you would have bit everyone's hand off, wouldn't you, if at the start of the season they just said with six games to go, you'd be, you know, potentially three points outside the top four if you win your game in hand. So, and really, apart from City, they're, they're all fixtures that on our day we can win, do you know what I mean? So, I think getting a, getting a win at Goodison at the weekend is important now, though, just because. You know, it does feel a while, doesn't it, since we've won? And it feels a while, to be honest, since we've won there convincingly. Do you know what I mean? I can't really think of many games this season that we've we've won two, three. I don't even know if we've won a game three nil since those kind of early weeks of the season when you know we gave Brighton and West Brom a, a hard in there. But that's what we wanted, isn't it? And it's strange, really, because we've had so many the past what three, four seasons of being at this stage of the season and just kind of fighting it out in, in the middle ground and not having anything to look forward to. And, you know, people were more focusing on, you know, transfers in the summer and, you know, there had been managers and things like that. So it's just great to have that stability, isn't it, that Carlo's brought in and to be fighting for this now in, in the next few, you know, there's a real kind of, just boss to be looking forward to the games again, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Instead of just being like, just get this season over mm-hmm. and done with, we can start again next year. You know, there's a real kind of feel of, you know, looking forward to, the game at the weekend and, and knowing if we win we're, we're in a brilliant position you've got to play Villa twice you've got to play West Ham you've got to play Wolves who've been beaten 4-0 home by Burnley so you know you get 12 points from those games 
who knows where we could end up. So, I, I don't know. Still haven't said on last day of the season. It's going to be tough, isn't it? But there's a real kind of excitement at the moment, I feel. Mm. I feel like, Gav, our answers for, for this kind of question change week on week, don't they? And it probably summarises the inconsistency of not just Everton, but the whole Premier League this season. But what's it, what, what do you now think is realistic for Everton? At the end of the season, you know, going into this these last six games, they've now positioned themselves in a in a very nice sort of area, haven't they? As as Sam says, you know, there's some tough games on the horizon, but there's not many where you'd say, "Oh well, that's completely unwinnable." So, ever ever right in this fight, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, what's realistic is well, Europa League is realistic, isn't it? I think. Um, you, you may be, you know, not like today's expectations, but it may be a disappointment, mightn't it? Um, but I think, I think a key game might be the game at West Ham. Mm. You know, for us, if we lose at West Ham, who are ahead of us, aren't they? They get an extra three points. You know, that, that, that's like the proper six points of that, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the game at West Ham within within the context of the season. Um, they they're going and they've lost two. Uh, we've got four points from the last two. So, yeah, realistic is, is Europa League. But, I mean, I think Leicester have got, you know, they won last week, didn't they? So, Chelsea won. You're not looking, you know, I think Champions League might be a bit difficult. But uh, certainly the um, certainly Europa League, I'd say, is still on, uh, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But, we, we, yeah, as you say, you're looking, you're looking at four wins, aren't you? I think four mm-hmm. wins would take us how many points with that? Would that be 64 with this something like that? What are we on now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 64 plus, you know, if you can get a couple of draws, mid-60s might uh, be enough, might it, for the Europa League. Mm. I think you would, you would certainly hope so. Mm. I mean, Prado, we've been talking about, you know, the inconsistencies of Everton and the inconsistencies of the whole Premier League this season, but I think one man who's been completely consistent throughout is Carlo Ancelotti. I mean, he's he's always said, especially over the last few weeks when Everton weren't even picking up the results. He was saying Everton is still right where I want them to be in this fight. And you know, it's maybe it's maybe harder to, for fans to hear him say that after we've, you know, not managed to beat Spurs or not managed to beat Palace at home. But he was right, wasn't he? Because, you know, one one win kind of changes the whole complexion of things, doesn't it? It does. And it's been such a weird season. Uh, and it will continue to be a weird season right till the very end. I mean, look at this weekend's just gone. I mean, as Sam said, who saw Burnley putting four past Wolves, you know, so away from home? Nobody. Who saw Newcastle, you know, so getting a 92nd-minute goal disallowed at Anfield by VAR? Everybody. But then who saw them <laughs> score that? Who saw them score 96 minutes equaliser after that? Absolutely nobody again. So it, it's strange, and there'll be more, you know, odd, freakish results. And that will certainly involve some of the teams, you know, so in and around us on the table. It's vitally important that we are not one of those teams and we don't suffer any more freakish results that we've had this season. And we do show a little degree of consistency now. Whether that's enough to qualify for Europe, I don't know. I mean, I, I was talking to Sam earlier about the uh, European qualification criteria. Um, it's all over the place because of the presence in the top four at the moment of Leicester and Chelsea, who obviously you know, compete in the FA Cup final. And then the European competitions, we've got Man United and Arsenal still in the Europa League. And we've got City in the Champions League, you know. So, you know, that could impact upon European places as well. Uh, so I think I saw a, a piece this morning suggesting that there could be as many as eight or nine teams uh, in Europe this season from the Premier League. 
that would be uh, an absolutely extreme set of circumstances, by the way. That would be, you know, like Arsenal, you know, winning the Europa League and uh, City winning the Champions League and numerous other factors coming into play. Uh, so what we need to do is finish as high up the table as we can. If we finish in argument, say, seventh place, I think we will be in Europe. Whether that's in the Europa Conference League or the Europa League itself, we don't know. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot to happen between now and then. So we can only look after your own performances, can't you? you know, so get the results, get the points on the board and then just be in Europe. And then, obviously, we start speculating about how we improve the squad because we need you know, so much more strength and depth to uh, manage a European campaign as well as a domestic campaign next season. Uh, bottom line is, though, let's just not fall prey to any more of these freakish results. We've had enough of them this season, you know, at Goodison Park especially. Let's just see a little bit of consistency between now and the end of the season and, uh, you know, finish on a high, finish powerfully. Mm. And if Everton do manage to finish powerfully uh, and finish in Europe, Sam, I mean, do you consider that a successful season, considering considering where Everton were at the start of the season? A massive success, isn't it? I think if we get back into Europe, then what an accomplishment that will have been from Carlo Ancelotti. But, you know, it's what we need, isn't it, as a club? Hopefully over the next couple of years, we, you know, finally end that trophy hoodoo. You know, we can get an FA Cup, a League Cup. But as well, I think if we got into the Europa League or this Europa Conference League, I think we'd have a real chance of, of going, you know, far and potentially winning it the way we uh, set up under Carlo. I think, we, I think we'd want to suit that tournament football style as well so you know it all goes hand in hand but at the end of the day you appoint a world-class manager the manager who's won the champions league three times you you do expect an upturn don't you but i still don't think anyone at the start of the season probably i don't know after you signed james allen to corey godfrey you know we've all proved to be really good signs maybe a little bit but you know you still look at that squad and especially with what with what's happened with injuries as well and it's mad to think really Excuse me. Um, <laughs> are we keeping you up, are we, Sam? You know, we are re- really in this European hunt. It would, it would be such a successful season for us to, to get into that position. So we, we've just got to crack on now, haven't we? But, I mean, if Europa League and, and, and the Conference League would, would be amazing. But I think if, uh, if we got in the Champions League, that would be one of the biggest achievements of Ancelotti's managerial career, even with, with everything that he's done, you know, with what the squad looks like when it's down to its bare bones, as it has been for quite some time now, now over the last few weeks. So it's it's tough, isn't it? Because I think now that we've got a chance and, you know, I spoke to a few people recently who, you know, have said like, oh, well, you know, beating Arsenal now just makes it more frustrating that we didn't beat Burnley or because we didn't beat Newcastle and things. But you can't think like that, you know what I mean? Every team has had shock results this season. You know, United losing a home to Sheffield United, Liverpool losing six on the spin at home. You know, even the best teams have have had a few uh, stinkers, really, haven't they? So I think it's just the case of can you hit form at the right time? And the, the win against Arsenal gives us the, the perfect platform to say now, you know, the six game. if you win four or five of those last six games, you probably will finish fourth because I don't think any anyone else is consistent enough at, at this point mm. isn't it great to just be talking about european qualification by the way <laughs> yeah, I mean, the super league hasn't uh, hasn't killed off that yet and of course Everton felled another uh potential super league this weekend as well didn't they which is which is always nice to see but uh let's hope that everton can return to form 
at Goodison Park uh, later this weekend when they uh, take on Aston Villa. We'll be back later in the week to preview that game. Uh, Carlo Ancelotti will have had his press conference by then, so we'll discuss all the latest ever injury news and we'll preview what will hopefully be a return to winning form at Goodison Park. Don't forget, you can rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts from. And don't forget, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter as well. Just search for the Royal Blue Podcast on there. And I'm sure you'll be able to find us. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.